All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Real Talk. Jeff here. Brad, how are you, sir? I'm good, man. What's going on? Nothing much, man. Ready to talk some football? Uh, yes, sir. I got some great news. Just uh, about an hour ago, these these showed up on my doorstep. So for all you guys that are watching on YouTube, you guys get to see the uh, sneak peek of the Real Talk t-shirts. Uh, those are $15 each. Uh, so thank you to all of you guys that have ordered. Uh, I already had uh, one individual come and pick their t-shirt up from my house. Um, yeah, $15. Uh, if, if you don't have, uh, an order placed or you're not a large or extra large, no problem. I can still place more orders, but I do have a couple of, uh, large and extra large in stock ready to go. Uh, with that being said, we, we just dropped our power rankings the other day. Um, I felt really good about mine. I thought, I thought yours was great too. Um, I know a couple people have started to get in on the on the power rankings on the Facebook page. I, I, you know, that's something I always in, enjoy and, and, uh, entertain as far as who people think are better than other teams, you know? Yeah. So, absolutely. yeah. And, uh, I encourage you listeners to continue to do that. Continue to show us your power rankings. Um, reach out to us. If you want to be on a power rankings episode, you know, they're quick episodes. So we definitely have enough time to have one extra person on and, you know, come on live and, and drop your power rankings for the world to hear. Uh, but with that being said, I'm ready to get into uh, week six recap. What about you? Yeah, me too. And, uh, I'll let you take it away. Uh, we're going to start with two teams that didn't make our power rankings episode. So Broncos Patriots, I know you watched this one. I did. I watched the entire game. Um, gosh, man, you know, we're five games into the season. The Patriots had a bye. So I've been, I guess you could say fortunate. I'm, I'm going to say unfortunate to have uh, seen every one of their games. And it's just, it's been a tough watch. This one was really tough. Uh, let's start with the facts here. The two and three Broncos defeat the two and three Patriots. Uh, Denver moves to two and three. They win 18 to 12. It's not every day that a team scores 18 points and doesn't score a touchdown. But that's what happened here. And uh, the Broncos were able to move the ball primarily fairly easily between the twenties. It's once they got into that red zone that they pretty much struggled and that new England has historically been pretty good. Uh, the story of the game, and you know, it just, it is what it is, but uh, new England, you know, they turned the ball over, uh, you know, three times in this game, Denver throw through two interceptions, but fortunately enough for them, those two interceptions came very late in the game on their last two of three drives. And uh, new England was just, just not good. I mean, that's just really the uh, the meat and potatoes of it. They allowed four sacks. Uh, credit to Denver. Denver came to play. I think a lot of people probably uh, counted them out. The biggest thing is, and I'm not making excuses, Belichick did, and he typically doesn't, but he said this team just didn't practice. I mean, they've had one practice in the last two weeks. It showed. Uh, Cam Newton was terrible. Two picks. He had to fumble himself. Uh, he was able to finally get the run game going late in the game, but ultimately it wasn't enough. For those of you DraftKings guys, look out for Tim Patrick. You know, if you're not a Broncos fan, I've, I personally had never heard of him. Uh, big physical receiver, seemed unguardable. He was targeted eight times, caught four balls for 100 yards. Um, you know, if it wasn't for as good as New England secondary was, he was matched up on our on our fourth corner and pretty much took him to task. I think uh, he's definitely one of those guys that's going to start showing himself from just from what I've seen on this game. He was he was great. Philip Lindsay was fantastic. He was a definitely definitely a difference maker as well. Um, but ultimately, story of this game was the fact that the 
Denver Broncos never turned it over until extremely late in the game. They were able to control the clock, run the ball, and New England just could not keep the ball moving. They had three points through three quarters. Wasn't enough. Yeah. Um, it's nice to see Philip Lindsay get back over 100 yards for the Broncos. Yeah. Um, the Patriots did their job. We've talked multiple times. If you hold the team to 21 or less points, you should be winning those games. Um, 18 points is not going to win a lot of games in the NFL. Uh, six field goals. That's always amazing for any kicker to make six in a game. Um, it's kind of shocking that outside of Cam Newton, the Patriots could only muster up 43 rushing yards. So, I mean, that's a little nerve wracking. Uh, 43 yards on 15 carries. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Julian Edelman looks good at better at QB than wide receiver as of late. Uh, he was two for two, the little gadget plays. But, um, yeah, there's no question. I believe the Philadelphia Eagles have had the most injuries in the league, but I don't think it's questionable that the Patriots have been the most affected by COVID. They had eight players opt out, the movement of their schedule, the change of the bye week, the lack of practice. One game Cam Newton couldn't play. Now he's thrown in. Um, <clears throat> the Patriots have a, a new quarterback, and they haven't been able to practice much with him before the season. And haven't been able to practice a ton during the seasons. So, as much as this team looked pretty good with, the, they were two and zero to start, right? They've lost three straight. No, they lost week two. They've really they've won one, lost one, won one, lost one, and now they've lost, lost one. one. Yeah. Yeah. So the the Patriots, it's been an unfortunate unfortunate schedule. But I heard an analogy that maybe the Patriots don't have to do it the typical Patriot way in dominating fashion. They could be like a New York Giants when they beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl or maybe a March Madness basketball team. The Patriots just have to get hot at the right time. But if you're a Patriots fan, you can take solace in knowing you don't have to worry about your defense. The Patriots' defense has played fine, and uh, they were able to make Drew Locke look awfully pedestrian. Less than 200 yards, two picks. Um, It was really the running game and field goals, and this game just came down to the turnover battle. And the Broncos did enough to get an upset win. But I think the Patriots going forward, I think they'll be able to move past this game for a plethora of reasons. And uh, it won't really slow them up going forward. Yeah, like you just said, Drew Locke was under 200 yards. And as I pointed out, uh, Patrick had 100 of those yards on four catches. They were all big plays. There were actually, coincidentally, I think every single one went over 20 yards. Some went 25, some went 30, whatever, but all went over 20 yards. So it was definitely a, a bigger play day for them as far as that. They were able to keep the ball and and run it. And, I mean, that was the difference. And, and, and truthfully, I'm not holding on to this game. That game's in the past. Um, we'll see how New England comes out against San Francisco this weekend. It'll be interesting because I, I can't see them dropping three in a row. And we'll get to for, it in for, a little bit. We'll for me, little, I can't, yeah. Yeah. We'll get to it in a little bit, though, but the Bills have dropped a few games. The Dolphins are in the mix, but the division's completely winnable. The Bills aren't running away with it. Wide open. It's wide open. Yeah, and the Dolphins smell blood. We'll talk more about that in a little bit, like you said. Mm -hmm. Moving on here, this is probably one of the better games of the day, if not the best game of the day. Uh, The Tennessee Titans move to 5-0. They win 42-36 over the Houston Texans, who are 1-5. I took a lot of things away from this game, lots of things. Uh, first off, the first game without Bill O'Brien, correct? First game? Mm-hmm. No, this yeah. is their second. Second or, game. You know, yeah, it's their second game. 
Okay, they're saying Bill O'Brien. He got fired week four. They beat the Jaguars like we we predicted, and then yeah. they ran into the Titans. Okay, so first off, Deshaun Watson was incredible. Twenty-eight of thirty-seven, three thirty-five, four touchdowns. Uh, pretty much had this game won. He had a game-winning drive. Matter of fact, uh, it just wasn't enough, and we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, Will Fuller finally seems to be somewhat healthy and is getting the job done. Brandon Cooks is fitting in. He had nine catches. Uh, yeah, there's there's a lot to say about the Texans as far as what they're able to do. They did have a pick in this game. Uh, they had a couple of sacks. They played really, really well, but they went up against the Titans, who are one of the hottest teams over the last year and a half-ish, we'll say. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Ryan Tannehill, 30 of 41, <clears throat> 366, four touchdowns, one pick. Derrick Henry had a 94-yard um, run, but even without that, even without that run, 22 carries, 212, and two touchdowns. So he still had over 100 on 21 carries. He was just a dominant force in this game. They added another 50 yards rushing from uh, McNichols on five Hmm. carries. I mean, they literally, they ran it, (laughs) this is incredible, 27 times for 260 yards. It's just dominating. And that's really the difference of this game. But there is one thing I wanted to bring up. I will bring it up after your assessment. What did you think? Yeah, um, you got to like what the Titans did winning the game. Um, really high scoring game. Yeah. Um, they found a new weapon in Anthony Ferkser, the tight yeah. end that came in. Um, eight catches for 113. Uh, the Titans are an incredibly balanced offense. It all starts with the run, but they can get it done through the air. Tannehill, four touchdowns, one pick. Um, Deshaun Watson, four touchdowns to all different targets. Um, he doesn't play favorites here. A lot of players had a lot of targets. Um, I do think they need to try and run the ball more, but Brandon Cooks, you said nine catches. That's on nine targets. Um, we all thought Brandon Cooks was done, or I know a majority of people did, and, and he seems to be working it in here. Um, I thought maybe this team might make a bigger push at Le'Veon Bell, but with their losing record, maybe maybe that wasn't plausible. But this is a team we've called from the get we haven't been wrong yet in the texans we predicted the coach is firing their record we've been a hundred percent on the texans all year um but i will say the titans the titans defense is susceptible i mean it's it's not good that they shut out the texans for a quarter and still allowed 36 points and none of their games outside the weird weird uh monday night against the bills all their games have been very tight, very losable games, but they've come out on top. And um, again, we've, we've alluded to this a couple times. I believe Mike Vrabel is in the lead for coach of the year. And uh, he did something absolutely spectacular that you just don't see a coach impacting the game as much as Vrabel has. And, and I'll let you get into that situation right now. Yeah, I mean, just so a lot of people will remember on live television last year on, you know, most people were watching this game because it was the only football game on uh, the Patriots were playing the Tex- the Titans in the playoff game. And with the game ticking away and the, and the Titans had the ball, uh, Vrabel held the ball for continual delay of game penalties while letting the clock tick away. And you can see Belichick getting furious on the sideline. And that was kind of like the seed being planted for this game. And there, there was a situation where the, the Houston Texans had the ball and they were driving and they were within scoring position. They were on the 25 yard line. It was second and one. Uh, they're going to run a play and they're probably going to get a first down. Okay. 
when you get a first down, you're going to let the clock tick away and you're going to lose roughly 40 seconds of gameplay with the, with the play clock. Well, Vrabel said, you know what? Not today. I'm not going to let us lose like this. He intentionally throws a gentleman out there for a 12th man penalty. That penalty stops the clock. The clock never runs. They pick up the first down. They gained five yards out of the, out of the play. Uh, so now it's first and 10 at the 20 yard line. Okay. But now there's still a three minute and seven second time gap that's still there. So he never lost the 40 seconds from losing the first down. He just gave them a first down. And you're like, well, what? You don't trust your defense? I, both of these teams allowed over 35 points. That's five scores. At that point, it's not, I don't think it's that he didn't trust his defense. He just trusted his offense that much and knew he needed the time. No matter what was going to happen, he knew his team was going to score a touchdown if they had the acquitted amount of time, the accurate amount of time. So he's like, you know what? Here it is. I'm going to throw the guy out there. We're going to get the penalty. He took the penalty. Houston ends up scoring. So he looks like a genius. And what do they do? They score with four seconds left. Four seconds. If he doesn't have that 40 seconds, he doesn't even get to that four seconds. He doesn't get to 15 seconds. He doesn't get to 20. He needed all of that time. It's, it's an absolute genius move. Uh, Warren Sharp was the first person, uh, NFL insider, to, to bring light of it. Uh, brings it up on his Twitter account, gets thousands of retweets. Everybody's talking about it. I'm bringing it up on the show here. Uh, it, it's just one of those things where we need to talk about Mike Vrabel in the game managing aspect. There's so many coaches that are good on offense. There's coaches that are known for defense. Vrabel's really not known for either of those. Right now, he's known for coaching. That dude can just straight coach. He took Tannehill, who a lot of us wrote off. You know, Derrick Henry's always been a, a, a guy, but he's never been known as like a workhorse back. Like, here, let's give him 30 carries like he was getting in college. I mean, Vrabel's like, I'm, I know I can beat you if I give this guy 30 carries. Okay? He's got his defense playing well, and now – He's going above and beyond in game managing with the clock. And if you can dominate the clock, ask Bill Belichick how many rings you can win in this league. It's something else. Yeah, and I have no problem with coaches, so to speak, manipulating the rule. Um, if Romeo Crell on the other side knew what was going on, 12 men is a declinable penalty. If Romeo Crell wanted to take that risk, but no one really knew what was going on, Vrabel was way past the Texans organization on that front. And in the end, you say, okay, the Titans go on to lose the game. Well, you gave them a free first down. That's terrible. How do you allow 12 men? You know, it can go either way. Vrabel rolled the dice, and it worked for him. They could very easily decline that penalty. Yes. They could have. So, so moving forward, it, it's great to watch Mike Vrabel. The, the Titans have been an absolute pleasure to watch from the neutral perspective, and I'm sure as Titans fans, you're loving it. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, like you said, what Vrabel's done to be able to <clears throat> progress all aspects of his team. It seems like everyone's playing better. They've all bought in. And uh, it leads them into an absolutely the matchup of the week next week where the unstoppable force meets the immovable object. And uh, right now the unstoppable force is Derrick Henry, and the immovable object is the Steelers' defense. And uh, I'm just going to transition right into that game next. Yeah, um, go ahead. I've been very humble trying not to express how good I believe the Steelers are. Um, they're the best team in the NFL. Um, they're the best. They're, they're a balanced offense. 
their balanced defense. They can win with their offense. They can win with their defense. The Steelers have been lucky to stay relatively healthy. They just had their first loss of the season. Devin Bush is gone for the year. Um, Spillane came in for him and played actually really well. But I know a lot of people are going to look at the statistics of this game and what they saw with their eyes. And, oh, Baker's terrible. And, you know, they should have done that to Baker the way he was playing and whatnot. I wasn't hearing any of that when they were 4-1 and before they played the Steelers. And I believe every single Browns fan believed they had a chance to win that game until about eight minutes into the first quarter. So the the statistics, um, the Steelers have all sorts of statistics here. Um, James Conner, this is his third game with over 100 yards and a touchdown rushing. One of the two games he didn't have that. He got hurt in the first quarter, and our backup, Benny Snell, went for over 100 yards. Um, anybody who has social media or has access to the show knows what Chase Claypool has done in his emergence. Um, a big question mark for the last two years is, can Juju Smith-Schuster be a number one? Maybe he doesn't have to be. Chase Claypool looks to be like a number one. Uh, we'll see if Maple Tron sticks. It seems as though it will. Uh, rumor is he wants Air Canada. We'll see how that goes. Um, the Steelers defense is the second team in NFL history to have three sacks and an interception in the first five games. Every single game they've had at least three sacks and an interception. Mika Fitzpatrick been quiet because no one wanted to test him. Baker wanted to test him. And the defense scored as many points as the Browns did. Um, he's an absolute playmaker, silent assassin. He'll be quiet forever, and then it just takes one play. He's a game changer. There's a, there's a couple cases to be made, but the Steelers are 5-0. and I, I know I haven't really gone in on the Browns here, but Baker was hurt, and he just looked, he looked very pathetic. Um, the running game looked like they missed Nick Chubb, but again, the Steelers have the number one run defense in the NFL, allowing less than three yards a carry on the year. Um, more or less, I find myself looking at the Steelers-Browns game, and I just, I've moved on. This game was kind of over in the first half. The second half, I was already looking at what we got to do to beat the Titans next year, or next week, sorry, excuse me. But not much to say. The Browns didn't look good, but they're still 4-2. and two. They have a absolute legitimate shot at making the playoffs. Um, outside of the Steelers and Ravens that they each have to play one more time, their schedule looks relatively simple. They play both New York teams. Uh, they still have to, um, they still have to play, you know, the Bengals again. So Cleveland's got a very workable schedule. But going forward, I think they're going to need a new quarterback if they want to contend for more than just the playoffs. But I'll toss it to you. Yeah, just you know, Cleveland's not good enough to play from behind. That that first off, we both said that this game was going to be. Pittsburgh, no matter what. I wasn't sure how it was going to play out. I wasn't shocked to see this type of score, but Pittsburgh, or uh, th- this is the Browns. I mean, this is terrible. So it's three plays, seven yards, pick six. That's after the Steelers scored. You're now downtown nothing. Here's the remainder of the half three plays, one yard, punt. Five plays, 21 yards, punt. Five plays, 17 yards, punt. Four plays, 20 yards, pick. You're now down 24 to 0. You're not good enough to play that kind of ball. You're you don't have elite quarterback play. You're built on the run. The run is 
Ask anyone. Ask the Ravens. The Ravens know better than anybody. You need to play with the lead. You have to play with the lead if you're going to run the ball. It truly wasn't enough. They ended up scoring a touchdown, nine plays, 65 yards. They ended up scoring a, uh, uh, a Baker Mayfield touchdown pass to make it 24-7. It, uh, shortly after that, it ends the half. But this is how they come out. Three plays, negative 11 yards, punt. Four plays, eight yards, turnover on downs to start the half. I mean, just what, what did you concoct in the locker room? Nothing. So then the Steelers come out, eight plays, 28 yards, and they score, Clay, Clay, Chase Claypool. So then, okay, Brownies, let's, let's do something here. Seven plays, 39 yards, turnover on downs. Just pitiful to watch if you're a fan. I'm not a Browns fan. I didn't watch much of this game. Um, I seen it going below the screen and it's just like, wow, it's getting out of hand. And, uh, you know, ultimately we, we've said what their success is in this game or for this team. It's run the football. They didn't do a whole lot of that. Um, you know, Baker ends up getting pulled late in this game for Case Keenum. I don't know that that's a long-term answer, but, uh, Beckham was a non-factor. Landry was a non-factor. Cream Hunt was a non-factor. All the fantasy players this season have been non-factors. And the biggest thing was, the Steelers did it every way they wanted to. Yeah, the Browns, that the touchdown drive, those nine plays, 65 yards, they got a first down on an offsides penalty, and then they moved to probably about 20 to 30 yards on a pass interference call. So they needed all that help to muster up a touchdown, and it was just um, not – that's not excuses, but it's yeah. just they, need, they needed all the help they could get for their one score. That's unfortunate. I, one kind of positive note for the Browns, if you can move past this game – They've been outscored in their two games of the Steelers and Ravens, 76 to 13. And they have a positive point differential on the season. So if they're not playing the Steelers or Ravens, this Browns team is, I don't want to use the word formidable, but they're 4-0 against everyone, not the Pittsburgh Steelers or the Ravens. So the Browns can beat plenty of good teams in this league, but those teams that are at the next level, they're going to need need better quarterback play and they need a lot of help on the back end. Yeah. I mean, so they're, they're going to play the Bengals this weekend. This is a game, in my opinion, they can't afford to lose. This is a must win for them. If you, if you expect, if you expect your team to believe in you, expect your team to think that they're a playoff contender, you got to be what in in most people would consider a low level team in the Bengals. Okay. Especially a a divisional opponent who you've had their number and it seems to be the only divisional opponent you're able to beat. Uh, I don't know. Browns fans. I'm not, I'm not giving up on your team. I'm not saying you should give up on your team. The Steelers are, uh, in Brad's opinion, the best team, in my opinion, a top two or three team. Uh, I think we'll definitely, we'll know for sure after this weekend. Um, re- I, to be honest, regardless of what happens in this game, I think they're both very good football teams, but, um, the, the Browns aren't as good as the Steelers. We knew this. We said this, a lot of people listening know this. It's, it's, it's nothing we're, we're hiding. Uh, the Browns just need to do a great job of beating the teams they can be and get to the playoffs and see what they can do. Moving right along, we're into game four here. Uh, speaking of the AFC North, we have the Ravens uh, defeating the Philadelphia Eagles 30-28. to uh, The Baltimore moves to 5-1. and one. The Eagles move to 1-4-1. Uh, this game is actually quite deceiving. It was 24-6 to six going into the fourth quarter, and Philadelphia decides to score 22 points in the fourth. Uh, Baltimore adds six, and that ends up being enough. Lamar Jackson was 
good in in uh in in a sense 16 to 27 186 in a touchdown no picks he adds nine carries for 108 yards and a touchdown on the ground uh so he goes for two total touchdowns and uh, a 100-100 game so not bad not bad at all uh he is their leading rusher both um in yards and almost in carries gus edwards ends up getting 14 carries in this game for absolutely nothing 26 total yards but uh the eagles actually looked like a a somewhat decent team in the fourth quarter. Carson Wentz, 21 of 40, and that alone's rough. 213, two touchdowns, no picks. Miles Sanders adds nine carries for 118 yards. Uh, Wentz adds five carries for 49 yards and a touchdown. They were able to move, They were able to run the ball in this game. They just didn't do a lot of it. They were actually able to really, really, really run the ball. Um, I don't know what to make of this of this Eagles team. We know we've said it. They're injured. They're yep. extremely they're extremely beat up. That there's there's no way around that. And the Eagles are a good football team, and I'm I'm shocked at uh, how much they kind of gave up towards the end. Maybe they let their foot off the gas, but um, my opinion doesn't change on either of these teams. What do you got? Yeah, Ravens got up big and kind of let their foot off the gas, but um, and, and you you pretty much nailed that. I don't want to stay on this game too long, but. Carson Wentz and this injured Eagles team has faced the number one and number two statistical defenses in the NFL in back-to-back weeks, and they put up over 50 points. So this Eagles team is capable. So they they tied a high-powered offense in Joe Burrow. Um, They lost to two of the top five teams in the NFL. Um, The Eagles will see better days, I think, moving forward as they start to get some pieces back. I think they're getting maybe Alshon and Deshaun possibly. Back this weekend, whispers of Jalen Rager. But they do lose Zach Ertz, but they get Dallas Goddard back. They lose Miles Sanders, but I don't know if they've been just, you know, outside of Miles Sanders, they haven't really had a running game. So look for Carson Wentz, shotgun, lots of passes, maybe dump offs. But um, They play tonight. They play Thursday night, so we'll see what the Eagles can do. Um, I've taken a huge risk personally in my survival league with uh, – with, um, uh, Prizes over a thousand dollars. I'm taking the Eagles tonight over over the Giants. So, so it, it's a big one for me, Week Seven here. But um, I truly believe the Eagles are the better team, and I still think Carson Wentz is a top six quarterback in this league. Um, has some faith. They'll beat the Giants. Give a little bit of reassurance. And as the as the year goes on, I believe Philadelphia will grow and will end up winning this division. That defensive line will will cause a lot of problems. Well, let's move on to the Giants. The Giants pick up their first win. Uh, we were wrong here. We can we can own it. Uh, Giants move to one and five. They defeat the Washington football team, uh, who moves to one and five as well. Twenty to nineteen. Extremely close game. A uh, little bit of back and forth in this one. Uh, I don't have too much to say on it. Really, the the biggest difference is the fact that uh, New York was balanced. One hundred thirty-two on the ground. Uh, Seventy of that was from Daniel Jones. Uh, 240, I'm sorry, 108 on the, uh, through the air. So 240 total yards. Uh, you know, they both throw picks, but, uh, Washington fumbles time possession, pretty much everything in this game, Washington dominated. They did have eight penalties though. And they allowed three sacks. Yeah. Um, the difference in this game is, um, Washington let up a, a little bit of an early lead. They also had a missed field goal. And then to make matters worse, the Giants took a 43-yard fumble back for a touchdown to go up 20-13. to 13. And if you're the Washington football team, everyone can just blitz Ron Rivera for this if they want. But I have no problem with 
with two teams this bad going for it. You know, he went for a two-point conversion at the end. It failed. Um, speaking of that, just backtrack real quick. The Eagles were a bad two-point conversion play call away from maybe taking the Ravens to overtime. So they were right there. But Washington can't have any complaints. They should have won this game. The Giants, if they can hang their head on anything, they do have a pretty good run defense. But um, on the back end, without Saquon Barkley, again, they don't really have a running game. Daniel Jones averaged 10 yards a carry somehow scrambling. That's just a coaching issue by by the Washington football team. I just don't think they have enough players. But if you stop the run on this team, which doesn't seem to be very hard, um, I don't think Daniel Jones can just beat you through the air. He's just a turnover machine. I believe he's got more turnovers than touchdowns in his career starts, whether it be fumbles or interceptions. Um you know, Golden Tate's been a no-show. One catch for 11 yards last week. Sterling Shepard's on IR. Devontae Freeman's getting the carries, but, you know, he's not really doing much with it. Um, I just don't think – the Giants have one good offensive game, and it was against the Cowboys, which I think everybody has a good offensive game against the Cowboys. So the Giants are still a bad football team. They are a missed field goal, missed two-point conversion, and a fumble down away from being 0-6 along with the Jets. I don't buy too much into them, and that's, again, alluding to my pick tonight in survival. It's not so much about how good the Eagles can be. It's more or less – it's a little bit fluky here the last two weeks. The points they put up against the Cowboys' bad defense and this muddy mess of a game against Washington, the Giants are not a good football team, and I don't have any faith in them winning any games this season. Pretty pretty sad that they can win this game and move to first in the division. It's crazy. And- isn't that crazy? Actually, I've seen the stat of the week, actually. Um, Eagles, right? You're talking no. about the Eagles. Well, the Giants, if they beat the Eagles, they can move to first in the division, right? Uh, I don't think so because the Cowboys are 1-0 in division, and the Cowboys would have one less loss. They'd be 2-4 and four as okay. the Giants would be 1-1. Okay. But the Eagles would be 2-4-1, and one, and I think they would have a half-game lead until the weekend when the Cowboys play, but... Well, listen it's to this sad. statistic. The Washington Red the Washington football team is currently one win away from being number 1 in the division and one win away, lo- one loss away from being the number 1 pick in the draft. Yeah. When we talk about the NFC East, um I believe through 6 weeks, they have a total of 5 wins the entire division. The Cowboys, who are leading the division, in six other divisions, they would be fourth or fifth place in those divisions. Um, we could go on for days about how bad they are. We'll get to the Cowboys in a little bit. But the worst defense of all time was the 1998 Colts, and they allowed, I believe it was 533 points on the season, or 531, or something like that number. The uh, Cowboys are on pace for 588. They're on pace to have the most points allowed by 50 points in a season. We'll see if that continues, but goodness, this there's nothing about this division that, like, are just not good. It's not good. Yeah. Well, uh, let's move on to this game. Uh, you you nailed this right. I was wrong, but literally right before kickoff, I switched my pick. Um, you, you either rubbed off on me, or I just eventually had a change of heart. But uh, the Atlanta Falcons. They defeat the Minnesota Vikings. They get their first win of the season. They move to one and five. It drops Minnesota to one and five. 
They win big, 40-23. to 23. Matt Ryan is uh, he's incredible. 30-40, of 40, 371, four touchdowns. Uh, Gurley was below average, 47 yards on 20 carries. The biggest story of the game, It's it's got to be what you said. They get Julio Jones back. Welcome he, back. And Julio Jones is typically known for one thing, not scoring touchdowns. He scores two. He goes eight catches, 137, two touchdowns. Ridley adds one. Hayden Hurst adds one. Uh, they just decimated the, the Vikings. This game was not close. They scored 10 points every single quarter. I was about to say that. That's It's really weird that a team scores 10 in all four quarters. Yeah. Um, if the Falcons have been anything but a model for consistency, you know, they go 10-10-10-10, which is kind of kind of crazy. Um, big storyline this week, going into the Lions, they, like you said, they could be 2-0 and post-Dan uh, Quinn. Yeah. Um, I really think through injuries and struggles, the emergence of Calvin Ridley is what helped Julio Jones get this stat line. Uh, they can no longer put all of their coverage to Julio because Calvin Ridley has proven to be the real deal. Um, the Vikings have shipped out Yannick and Gakwe. They, they, they understand that they're realistic. Packers and Bears are way ahead of us right now. Time to start maybe getting some draft picks, look, looking forward into the future. I, I don't. I know the team lost the head coach, coordinator, and defensive coordinator, and their starting wide receiver. In all their corners. In all their corners. So, I'm not gonna be shocked that they're bad now. Like that their team is so different than what they were. But I just didn't see them go one one and five. I didn't think the Vikings switched that bad. But it seems like the Vikings were kind of bad. They get Stefanski, and they're good for a couple of years with Kirk Cousins, and then he leaves, and they're back to crap. So maybe we need to give credit where credit's due to Stefanski and what he can do as a head coach. Um, and again, outside of the Ravens and Steelers, he's done a phenomenal job with the Browns organization. So uh, yeah, we'll see going forward. But But the Falcons' offense is real. You're not going to be able to come in and score 25 and beat the Falcons. You're going to have to hit the 30 mark to beat the Falcons. And, uh, you know, they're a couple couple coin flips away from being maybe even like a 3-3 three and three team at this point. So the Falcons, they're a scary team. And uh, the, the yeah. rest of their division's beating themselves up. I mean, who knows? They could they win three straight. They could be in contention for second place in their division. Yeah, definitely one thing about the Falcons is that if you have them on your schedule right now and you're like, oh, we play the Falcons, that's a W. No, you can't just chalk it up as a W. They can beat anybody with their offense. Uh, and, you know, we've, we've really been hard on them this year about their defense. And what do they do this game? The first game without Dan Quinn, they pick off Kirk Cousins three times. Uh, if they can get some sort of defensive presence, this is a good football team. And they held them to 33 rushing yards. I know there was no Delvin Cook. They held him to 33 rushing yards and then picked off Kirk Cousins three times. They suffocated the the. They abandoned the, the run. To be fair, the Vikings did. But yeah, but right. they suffocated him for the whole first half. Yeah. I mean, they shut him out in the first half. I if anybody would have said the Vikings or the Falcons would shut anybody out in the first half, you'd have been like, yeah. absolutely not. No. Yeah, the one thing I want to say about the Vikings to give them a little bit of a plug, uh, they, you know, a couple weeks ago we said that Justin Jefferson you know, needed more time. And literally from the moment we said that he has blown up. So, uh, it's, it's him. It's, uh, CD lamb, Jerry Judy, kind of, and then chase Claypool really are those, those are like the four emerging wide receivers from the draft class. Would you agree? Is there anybody else that yeah. you're, that I'm I not, mean, 
maybe I'm missing somebody, and uh, we you can peep us on the pod, but but yeah, C.D. Lamb has gone for ten plus fantasy points in every matchup. Yeah. Justin Jefferson has blown up over the last three weeks. Um, after the Deontay Johnson injury, when Chase Claypool comes in, four touchdowns next game. He's got another touchdown. Been been amazing. So, yeah, you you've got to credit these uh, rookie wide receivers for really getting the job done. Jerry Judy's kind of gotten the short end of the stick in Denver with what's going on, but yeah, yeah, it's just uh, Henry Ruggs. He's played Henry, pretty. Henry well Ruggs has been hurt, but he did it. He did at least have one really good game uh, against the Chiefs. But yeah, I, I think we know that Ruggs is going to be good. I think we know he's going to be good, though. Mm-hmm. So, but but yeah, go ahead and uh, I guess we'll move on here. Moving on to the Detroit Lions and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, I nailed this one. You kind of uh, were a little iffy, iffy, and then you ended up picking the Jags. Uh, Lions moved to two and three, pick up a victory, thirty-four sixteen over the Jags. Jags moved to one and five. Uh, Detroit was pretty consistent in this game. They didn't move up big and then and then drop a few in a row. They they literally scored seven points, ten points, seven points, ten points. I mean they pretty consistent throughout. Matt Stafford was all right. Uh, story of the game though, they finally let Swift run it. Fourteen carries, one sixteen, two touchdowns. I think he had a fifty yard. I think he had a fifty yard run, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe even two. I guess I don't know. He had at least one fifty yard run. But uh, Kennedy Alladay goes for 100 yards receiving through the air. Uh, Peterson also gets 15 carries. So they ran it a ton on Jacksonville. They really exploited their run defense. Um, I don't have too much to go in on. Minshew wasn't terrible. He was 25 of 44, 243. Touchdown, a pick. He had a rushing touchdown to go along with it. It just isn't enough. Detroit was uh, better. They had 400 total yards. Um, A lot of that was on the ground, and they ran it really well. So. Yeah, what I saw previously from the Jaguars, I I relatively liked. I know they were they were a one and four team going into this, but you know you yeah. saw some 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 stuff from their offense that, that was kind of promising or hopeful. But this defense is just way too far behind the league. I don't know how they got that upset win over the Colts week one. Kudos to them. But since then, they've been the Jaguars we thought they would be. Yeah, they have um, been. I th- I think I just bought way too much into that first win. But it is completely gone. I don't think the Jaguars can turn me now. They're they're a top five draft pick, and the defense is just too far behind. So maybe in hindsight, I should have known Matt Stafford, Kenny Galladay, that trio of running backs that they have. It, it just proved too much. And uh, yeah, it, the Jaguars don't have much to look forward to this year. Yeah. Let's move on to uh, another one. This one was a fun game. Um... The Colts moved to four and two, picking up the victory, thirty-one twenty-seven over the Cincinnati Bengals, who moved to one four and one. Uh, this game was really weird because I predicted a blowout. I said it would be too much for the Bengals. The Bengals opened up this game as if they were going to blow the Colts out, and then the Colts end up going and scoring thirty-one. They outscore them thirty-one to six in the final uh, three quarters of this, or final two and a half quarters of this game. Uh, but Burrow jumps out to a huge lead. You know, he, he's pretty good in this game. 25 of 39, 313, no touchdowns, one pick. He ends up adding a uh, rushing touchdown in this game. But they are they were decent on the ground, nothing crazy, but they, they threw it around a ton. They were able to get the, the big lead. I believe they even had, I think they had a turnover that led for a touchdown. Not 
a touchdown, but it was close. Ended up getting close to a touchdown. Uh, the Colts just uh, they played their game. They were able to pick up the W. Both teams. It just if you're looking at the box score, it's hard to predict how this one really went down. But what do you got? I, I just I officially don't understand the Colts. Um, yeah, yeah. That's they fair. just win so many different ways, but they lose in weird ways as well. Like Philip Rivers threw 44 times. That's typically not how you want to do it. And three touchdowns to one pick, 371 yards. They only run the ball 15 total times. But really, the only ones were 12 carries for 60 yards by Jonathan Taylor. Your running backs averaging five yards a carry. He only gets it 12 times. Don't understand that. But Phillip Rivers sprays that ball around. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different guys with a with a with targets and catches. Um, the Bengals. Joe Burrow throws for 300 yards, no touchdowns. That's awfully weird. Uh, Joe Mixon went down late late in this game. Uh, that kind of hurt him late. But yeah, up 21 nothing, and then up 24 to seven. And they just couldn't do it. I know their defense is bad, but typically, you know, it, it looked like the Bengals were going to win. I didn't think the Colts had any right to score 31 points this game. There was two quarters they didn't even score a point, and they scored yeah. 31. They had an explosion in the back back quarter of both halves, the second and fourth. But the uh, kudos to the, the Colts' defense, because the Bengals in the first quarter, 14, second quarter, 10 third quarter three, fourth quarter zero. So the Colts defense really grew into the game the more they got to see Burrow and and Phillip Rivers. You know, he got the job done and, and Colts win. But I'm out on the Colts as a Super Bowl contender, but they could really throw a big wrench into the playoffs this year, I think, or at least the race. I mean, four and two. And, uh, you know, their games against the Titans are really going to determine that division because they have a chance to catch up and, and play a big part in this. Yeah, another rookie receiver, by the way, T. Higgins, had a nice game here. He's working out. So, uh, rookie receivers working everywhere. We're just we're just moving along here. Uh, another fun one. This was a good game. Um, I was wrong on this. I think you were right. The Chicago Bears moved to five and one, defeating the Carolina Panthers, who moved to three and three, twenty three to sixteen. Chicago was good. Nothing dominant, but they were good. Uh, Foles, 23 of 39, 198, one touchdown, one pick. He adds a rushing touchdown. Lots of quarterbacks had a touchdown in a rushing touchdown this week. It was really strange. Um, the, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, for the first time this year, had a bad game. Not even a solid, just a bad game. 26 of 29, 216, and two picks. No touchdowns to add. Uh, it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. They did have a chance to win this game late, but it uh, – Ended up ending in an interception. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Bears are a good football team. We know this. We know this. Um, you know, I'm still I'm still good on the Panthers. I think they're a well-coached team, and I think they're going to be fun to watch. It's just uh, they ran into a better team, but definitely a better defensive team too. This might sound cliche, but these are one of those games where the Panthers needed Christian McCaffrey. Uh, yeah. The, pass, the yeah. passing game wasn't working. And the ground game wasn't working that much. Like, like you said, the, the Bears' defense is amazing. I've been one of the highest people on the Bears on the Facebook page, including Bears fans. I, I feel like I've had less doubt on the Bears than them. But maybe their hesitancy is warranted with what they've seen the past few years. Um, 
I, I said it on last spot. I, I think the Bears could are Super Bowl bound. I think the Bears are a team that could make it on the NFC. I believe they're missing one thing, and that's, you know, trade deadline. They need to go find a second running back because uh, Montgomery had 19 for 58. They had five carries for four yards out of their quarterback, and they had one reverse to Cordell Patterson that went for a yard. They're trying to play him kind of at running back, wide receiver in these jet sweeps. They just need one more guy who can come in and just and just pound the ball, give them a threat to run. Allen Robinson, he's way too underrated in this league. Um, they're starting to get the other tight end, Cole Clement, the rookie. Uh, they're starting to get him involved. Nick Foles likes big targets. So the two tight ends, Allen Robinson. And Nick Foles knows he doesn't have to do a whole lot because this Bears defense is for real. And the, the Panthers are almost there. They weren't expected to be 3-3 three and three this year. Panthers are way ahead of their, their timeline. And they'll get Christian McCaffrey back. They'll be able to draft a few more pieces next year. And the Panthers are up and coming, but the Bears proved to be too much here this year. Yeah, it was one of those things that if you look at the box score, Carolina's better in every statistic. They had more total yards. They were just shy in passing yards. They were almost they dominated them in the run game, uh, almost double. Uh, the points scored, obviously, Chicago scores more. But the reason being is Carolina turned the ball over three times. I mean, that, that alone, and they allowed four sacks. Chicago didn't allow any sacks. They had one pick. That's the biggest difference. You know, uh, C- Carolina continues to be a heavily penalized team. They had eight penalties. It, uh, the Panthers are, they're a year away, probably two years away from being really good. They, you know, Teddy Bridger is not a long-term answer, but he's definitely doing what they need him to do for now. And like you said, they were Christian McCaffrey away from probably winning this game. So. Who knows? We'll see. Uh, moving on, the Minnesota the, wow, Minnesota, the Miami Dolphins defeat the worst team in football, the New York Jets, twenty-four to zero. Miami moves to three and three. The Jets move to zero and six. Um, the Jets don't score a single point. I wasn't shocked. What do you got on this game? Joe Flacco still got it through forty-four times for one hundred and eighty-six yards. <laughs> One pick. Uh, Frank Gore is still an animal. 11 carries, 46 yards. God. They got receivers all over the place. Crowder, seven catches for 48 yards. No, oh, the Jets are so bad. The Jets are just <laughs> god-awful. Uh, I said this on the last pod, and I just want people to understand this. Point differential. The third worst team in the league in point differential is minus 54. That's the Washington football team. Oddly enough, just played the Giants, whose point differential is minus 56. Those combined, incidentally, is 110. That, my friends, is the point differential for the Jets this year. They have been outscored through six games by 110 points. That's almost like 17 points a game. Uh, The Jets are so bad. I don't even want to talk about this. The Dolphins are a good team, well-coached, total mismatch. Adam Gase, dear Lord, get him out of there. They should just blank canvas, sell everyone, and bring in a CFL team and start from there. I mean, nothing works on this team. Uh, moving over to the Dolphins, I don't even want to focus on how much, how what happened really in the game, but apparently two for two for nine yards is enough to win the job in Miami's organization. 
I think that's the only talking point that really comes from this game. Uh, it seems like before the season, the Miami Dolphins put a blindfold on to Fitzpatrick's quarterback play and decided when we hit the bye week, two is our starter. COVID moved that forward about three weeks. They didn't care. They have a chance to win the division. Ryan Fitzpatrick's playing really well, but they watch every practice, and apparently they think Tua will give them a better chance to win. His first game is against Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. We'll see how that's going to go because the next week they play the Chargers with three pro bowlers at corner and Joey Bosa, and I believe they get Melvin Ingram back that week. Tough sledding for Tua. The Dolphins are in the hunt for this division, and I don't know what it's going to do to his confidence if he doesn't play well and they move back to Ryan Fitzpatrick. They have a chance to really botch this situation. Um, I believe this situation can only go really good or really bad after this decision. I don't think there's a, oh, we're doing okay. This is going to be just really bad or really good. I don't think this is a a level situation, but what do you, what do you got on that? I somewhat agree with what you said, but I, I I'm going to add another layer because I don't think that two of two for nine yards is what they seen. I think they seen two losses in the column of the Bills. They smell blood. I think they think they have a legitimate chance at winning a division. And, you know, I've I watched week one of the Dolphins with, with some Dolphins fans against the Patriots, and the team struggled to move the ball. You know, they've had their, their times this year where they've been – it seems like they've been in every game. They were even in the game against New England. They lost by 10 points. I mean, you're in the game. But um, I've, I've asked – and I've posed a question, at what point would you make a QB change if you felt like if you felt like the QB was the only thing holding you back, and maybe that's it? Ryan, Tan- or, um, Ryan Fitzpatrick hasn't been incredible this year. So I, I don't, don't want to get into that. I don't, I don't think by any means that he's been incredible. I think uh, he's been all right. I mean, uh, here's, here's his stats on the year. And again, this – this isn't jumping off the, off the page. Uh, 1,500 yards, which is good for roughly 15th in the league or so. Uh, 10 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, uh, and he's passing at 70% and uh, about 8 yards an attempt. So he's having a good year except for a little turnover prone. Okay? Um, and they're 3-3. Three and three. And I would argue that their, their running game is as good as it's been all year. And their defense is playing... Real good. I mean, that's yeah. that's really been the the highlight of their team is how good their defense has actually played. I just when you watch the Dolphins, I I know everyone says they know the situation. You know, two is going to be brought in. Fitzpatrick's molding him, but like the whole team really seemed to love Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I wonder if in a game where Tua makes the wrong read or doesn't audible out of a play call or maybe like there's a communication issue and something goes wrong and the offense like, well, that doesn't happen to Ryan, you know, or, or there's these little subtle things that the locker room starts to turn. And so say they put in Tua, you're now asking him to, to be a good Rams team. And then you want him to, to play against another rookie and Justin Herbert, who's been playing lights out. What happens if they lose to the Rams and then Justin Herbert outplays him and let's say they lose that game, or say they win, but Justin Herbert massively outplays him. Herbert's been playing for weeks. 
No, no, and I understand that, but Herbert yeah. from first throw, I know, I know. And and he almost beat the Chiefs and he almost, almost beat, beat Brady. Yeah. He's played Mahomes and Brady and he's competing at a very high level. Yeah. I just think it's an awful lot to ask for Tua. I I don't have a problem with this move. I have the problem with the timing of it. This just The timing is weird. Not, the timing is it, weird. Yeah, it's just totally off-putting. No one saw this coming. Like I said, it was supposed to be the bye, and then it was Broncos, uh, Jets, Bengals again, or Jets, Bengals, Broncos, or something like that, which is three pretty bad defenses. Their bye week got moved up, and it seems like I just don't think they care. They're like, when there's a bye week in the middle of the season, that's when we're switching to Tua. I don't think Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, in hindsight, had a chance. Shave off three picks. Say he had 10 10 touchdowns with four picks. Still think Tua's coming in. I For me, it's... It's the two losses to the Bills and the three losses to New England. I think I think the Dolphins think that they can compete for the division. That I I I'm almost certain of it because it doesn't I, make sense. It doesn't make well, sense. I guess alluding to that, putting myself in your shoes, thinking that way, Fitzpatrick has had a shot to beat the Bills and Patriots. And did lost both those games. Yes, he did. You're so right. Let's put in Tua, see if he can beat him. I I yeah. guess I understand that logic and thinking. I just. Maybe it's because we all love Ryan Fitzpatrick so much. I, yeah, and here's the thing. And Ryan, I'm going to break down this real quick. Ryan Fitzpatrick was pretty open this past week. He was interviewed um, on what his uh, opinion was. And all year, all year when interviewed, he said, I'm a, I'm a bench warmer for Tua. He has been very vocal about that. I'm trying to teach him everything I can while still trying to win. And then he's finally benched, and his exact words is heartbroken. And – because he oh, felt like his the, the timing's weird. The timing is weird, but again, it, it's got to be because they smell blood. It, I think the bye week obviously probably plays in there. there. There's a lot, and you know, if you guys are but listening, imagine, imagine the coaching staff though. Hey Ryan, I want you to come in here and sit down. How you doing, coach? What's going on, man? Yeah, we're starting two and zero. Why? We smell blood in the water, and you're simply not a good enough quarterback. That, is that what they told him? Because, I mean, to be blindsided, he must have thought that it was supposed to be later in the season. Like, and he said, I really felt like I was in control of this team because he's playing relatively well. They're three and three. They're second in the division right now. So if that's the logic, if they're like, we smell blood in the water, we can win the division. Like, it just doesn't make sense because, like, how do you tell that to Ryan? This is a, this has Belichick written all over it. This is something Belichick would do. Tell me it's not. I mean, Brian Flores coaching under Belichick for so long. It's like, just when you think you're playing well, Belichick looks on paper and says, 70% completion, 10 touchdowns, 7 picks. My rookie at Alabama was completing over 70%. I bet she can do it here too. I'm almost certain that this is a, you're not good enough. You're not. And, I mean, we could obviously argue this for days. I think we have different opinions maybe, but... Fitzpatrick hasn't been dominant in this league ever. He's had games here and there. That's why we call him Fitz Magic or whatever. But truly, he's never been a consistent 16-game 16, 16 great Pro Bowl-esque quarterback. That's just, that's just not his game. It's really that's not. And, and, and I want to root for Tua. I mean, he's a guy I can get behind. But um, I just think it's a really tall order. Because if it blindsided Ryan, if he's being honest with that, it had to have blindsided Tua as well. Yeah. But – We'll we'll, uh, we'll see where it goes. Let's move on to uh, 
the next one, I, I predicted this game would have the highest rating of the week. Unfortunately, I didn't. I didn't grab the rating for this before the. Um, Tampa Bay moves to four and two, defeating the Green Bay Packers, who suffer their first loss of the year. Uh, they moved to four and one, uh, 38 to 10. This game starts out a little crazy. Uh, Green Bay jumps out to a 10-0 lead in the first quarter, uh, where they begin to drive in the second quarter to go up 17 to zero. And Aaron Rodgers throws what is a pick six. And Tampa Bay never looked back. An absolute beatdown. Uh, defensively, uh, in the run game, in the play action game, um, they did however they wanted. I mean, that's just really where it comes down to. Uh, the total yards in this one, 324 to 201. Aaron Rodgers has an abysmal game. Uh, 107 passing yards, or 160 passing yards, I'm sorry, um, with two picks, no touchdowns. Uh, definitely not an Aaron Rodgers type game. Uh, just Tampa Bay doesn't doesn't turn the ball over at all in this one. Um, Green Bay. This is this is the fun fact that we've thrown out on this this show a couple times. Aaron Rodgers came into this game being sacked three times in four games. He's sacked five times in this one. He was brought into this game being hit nine times all year. He was hit eleven times against the Buccaneers. Buccaneers dominated him, and uh, you know I I was talking on the podcast. I predicted this to be a uh, Tampa Bay win. You picked the the, the Packers, and um, I, I know you said that the defense and the running game, and they're the bigger reasons of why. But actually, really good in this game. Seventeen to twenty-seven doesn't sound the best for two sixty-six and two touchdowns, but the fact that he was able to find Gronk, there's actually a throw in here on third down. Uh, he throws into double and ends up becoming triple coverage to Gronk and Gronk makes a hell of a sideline catch. Um, his touchdown later in, in the drive was actually great too. Uh, Gronk looked like prime Gronk in this game. And that was probably my biggest thing watching this. Like, cause Brady's looked good all year. He hasn't really played bad, so to speak. He's thrown a couple of pick sixes, but hasn't played bad. Uh, the Chicago game was a little rough, but th- to see Gronk really turn around here was really big and for me it was bigger than seeing mike evans one catch for 10 yards because we know what we're getting with evans this is the first game he didn't produce all year right i mean (laughs) it's really the first game he didn't produce Uh, he was only targeted two times they really wanted to dominate in the run game which they did they carried it over 30 times um yeah I got nothing else. This is this is a, a disappearing act from Aaron Rodgers. We mentioned it yesterday. Aaron Rodgers' win percentage in his career, if he trails at any point, uh, is under a coin flip. He's less than a coin flip to win the game. That's bad. Uh, and Brady, when he trails at any point in the game, is 65%, and that's basically his career-winning percentage. So it doesn't affect him. Lo- trailing doesn't ever affect Tom Brady, but it clearly affects Aaron Rodgers. And that's really all I got to say on this. I, I think moving forward, I think Tampa Bay is a better football team. Green Bay is going to beat a lot of good people. But anybody yep. that's going to get physical with them, the Chicago Bears, um, I mean, there's a lot of good defenses. Uh, the Chiefs have a good defense. The Steelers, God forbid, if they were to meet them in the Super Bowl, that would be a horrible matchup for Green Bay. There's a lot of physical teams up front, the Rams even. There's a lot of teams that just have Green Bay's number if they're going to play physical. Yeah, I don't want to take a ton of time. Uh, Brady wasn't spectacular, but he was incredibly efficient. Like you said, 17 for 27. Uh, The Packers have no rush defense. Tampa Bay ran for more yards than they threw for. Uh, They were able to just run the ball down their throat. 
Um, Aaron Rodgers had eight more attempts than Brady with six less yards, uh, 16 for 35. Um, they've been blown out five, you know, four or five times in the past two, year and a half. And it's the Eagles dominant on both sides of the line. 49ers dominant on both sides of the line. Tampa Bay dominant on both sides of the line. The teams can run all over the Packers. It leaves Aaron Rodgers on the sideline and he gets in his feels. Oh, we can't stop them. So I got to do everything. He's throwing the ball away. He's, he's getting hit constantly. He just, the, the Packers turn into this kind of finesse team. And it's like, it just seems like when things are going right, Aaron Rodgers is Superman and the Packers are untouchable. But they came out and punched a team in the mouth for the fifth straight week. But for the first time, that team got up and punched them in the mouth and they folded. And that's as simple as that. After the first pick six, you're like, okay, we got a game. Tampa Bay hasn't really been moving the ball, but it's 7-10 now. Aaron Rodgers throws basically a second six or pick six. They run it back to the two. Tampa Bay runs that in, and you're like, this just doesn't happen. Here we go. We got a game, 14-10. And then the the Packers come out, three plays, zero yards, punt. And you're like, okay, the Packers kind of seem scared. Then Tampa Bay gets it, 11 plays, 50 yards, touchdown. And I, I truly believe every single person watching the game, it was over. Yeah. I believe every, there wasn't a single person after it went 21-10 and there was six minutes and five seconds left or left in the second quarter, I believe, and this game was over. Or no, it, everything happened so fast. Yeah, it was in the second quarter. Six minutes left in the second quarter, 21-10 Buccaneers, and everyone knew. Nathan Ray, I'd like to give you a peep. You, you uh, put out on the podcast, you said, can the Packers come back in the second half? And I am one who put, um, I clicked yes, and I said everything's going to have to be perfect, and they can, but it's not likely. Even saying it's not likely even there seems like, no, there was no chance. There was no chance. The Packers team folded. They're going to definitely win more games than they lose going forward. But anytime you find a team that can run the ball efficiently and has a power front on defense, it, the Packers have a lot of trouble. Yeah. Moving right along here. We'll keep it moving. San Francisco 49ers moved to 3-3, three and three, defeating the Los Angeles Lambs, who moved to 4-2, 24-16 uh, of a final. Uh, biggest storyline of this game for me is San Francisco starting to maybe find their, find their groove. Uh, offensively, they're healthy. That's really what matters. Jimmy Garoppolo, 23-33, 268, three touchdowns, no picks. Uh, Kittle, uh, 100 yards and a touchdown. Samuel, 60 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, the rookie, scored a touchdown. Really starting to move the ball. Uh, the passing yards was great. They outrushed L.A. Uh, my my biggest takeaway for that is 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 the Niners' health and also what I what I touched on yesterday as far as keeping them out of the Power Ten uh, of the Rams. The Rams haven't beat a good team yet. They're four and two and don't have any good wins. You know everybody's been harping on the Steelers. The Rams haven't beat a soul, you know? So as of right now, Rams are held back. They uh, they need to beat a good team, and they need to do it the whole way. 
not just uh, squeak one out at the end. They need to beat a good team because right now I'm not sure they can. The Rams are the, – the, the, sorry, not the Rams. The, the Niners are handcuffed. They're, they're beat up on defense, extremely beat up on defense. There's guys starting getting tackles that a lot of people have never even heard of. Uh, and they never sacked. They never sacked golf. So it's not like they're getting a ton of pressure. Um, the Rams weren't able to really move the ball and, and do the things that we think they're good at. Um, but that's all I got. Yeah. Um, I missed the mark on this game. Uh, I had more confidence in the Rams. I thought maybe it was a fluke that they've only beat NFC East teams. That's becoming a trend now. You know, how good are they? Are Is this an 8-8 eight and eight team we're looking at? Especially in division, if they can't beat the 49ers, they're going to they're gonna struggle in division. And I just want to say kudos to Kyle Shanahan. He is just such an offensive mind. The, the, the plays he runs makes Jimmy Garoppolo so comfortable in the game. Um, Aaron Donald was a non-factor. George Kittle is the best tight end in football. I mean, he left for two weeks, came back, and was like, sorry, I'm gone. 46 <laughs> and then like 26 points in fantasy, over 100 yards in both. Uh, he's so fun to watch. 49ers are a good team. They're healthy offensively. I thought they had too many defensive injuries to overcome it, but but they are playing really good defense, and 49ers team's 3-3, three and three, and – Although they're not the powerhouse they were last year, they're already having three losses, and that's what they totaled last year. I don't think anybody wants to play the 49ers right now. New England's got a tough matchup with them this weekend. It's gonna be that's... it's gonna be interesting. And Jimmy G's coming back to Foxborough for the first time. So yeah. we'll keep it moving here. The uh Kansas City Chiefs move to five and one. Uh they defeat the Buffalo Bills twenty six to seventeen, dropping the Bills to four and two, two straight losses for the Bills. Um, this game's a lot closer in score than it actually was. Um, the Bills were able to punch one in kind of late, but then the Chiefs put it away 20, with a field goal, and then immediately after, the Bills would throw an interception. Uh, Mahomes, 21 of 26, 225, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, I think the biggest story here, though, is is – Probably Le'Veon Bell on his couch watching Clyde Edwards-Hilaire go 26 carries for 161. Um, he adds four catches uh, for eight yards, so not too much there. But uh, another another tight end that's in the discussion for best in the league, Travis Kelsey, five catches, 65 yards, two touchdowns. Um, they weren't able to really do this with big plays. They just pounded it right down the Bills' throats, which goes to show you what they really think of the Bills. Because this is a throwing team. The Chiefs throw it on everybody. They throw 35 to 40 times on everyone, and they didn't. They threw it under 30 times, and they ran it over 40 times. So really goes to show you what they think of the Bills. Josh Allen didn't play terrible, but it was nowhere near enough, and they weren't able to get a running game going. So that was the difference. Yep, Josh Allen, two big games back-to-back. He hasn't really performed as to what we want him to. Yeah. Um, I think this game was 100% about the Chiefs. Yeah. Um, Patrick Mahomes, you know, he, he alluded to how, you know, we were throwing the ball over the place and getting fancy and Andy Reed to be able to, to rein the team back in and say, look, we're going to simplify this thing. We're going to run it down their face. Patrick Mahomes was incredibly efficient. 21 for 26. You know, we talked about how Tom Brady threw 27 times for 166 or Aaron Rodgers 35 for only 160. 
He only needed 21 completions to hit 225. They can gas you a multitude of ways. And, you know, I, I didn't know this, but, you know, we learn new things every day. I watched Colin Cowherd, and I learned a statistic. I thought Le'Veon Bell, just like everyone else, um, why do you need him? You know, you already have all these pieces. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, second time this year, goes for a 161. Le'Veon Bell is the last thing this Chiefs offense needed. The Chiefs this year have had nine rush attempts with goal-to-go situations for negative one yards. They can't run the ball in short-down situations. When it's third and one or when it's second and goal, short-yard situations, they struggle. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire isn't the biggest guy. There's no one else really there. Well, now on third and one or third and two, Le'Veon Bell's in the backfield, and this team becomes an absolute nightmare because he's a he's a dual threat, but he's also a power back. He's not built for the, the long gashes. So this team going forward, you know, they had 26 rush attempts by Clyde, and then they had 10 by other guys, some wide receivers, some running backs. You know, they had 10 by the quarterback. I won't count the scrambles. But those are going to go to Le'Veon Bell. And this team's going to be able to run the ball. And Patrick Mahomes doesn't really make mistakes, even when they had to win by throwing the ball 40 times. He's not a yeah. big mistake maker. This team is going to be, with without a doubt, if they're not already, the most difficult offense to stop. And they have just enough playmakers on defense. Tyron Matthew, along with DeAndre, I don't know how the Texans let players like this go. Um, but Chris Jones, Frank Clark, Tyron Matthew, they're, they're really playing solid defensively. And got every quarterback, it's got to mess with their heads when they go into Kansas City knowing how many points they have to score to have a shot to win. Yeah, it's rough. I don't have anything else to add. We'll keep it moving here. The Arizona Cardinals defeat the Cowboys on the, uh, the, the nightcap of Monday Night Football. 38 to 10. They moved to four and two. The Cowboys dropped to two and four. Uh, no Dak in this one, obviously. Uh, this is a this is a strange game because <clears throat> even though the Cardinals blew out the Cowboys, Kyler Murray struggled in this one. Nine of 24, 188, two touchdowns. He averaged 21 yards per completion, but four of those completions went to Christian Kirk and DeAndre Hopkins. Kirk had two catches for one eight or for I'm sorry two catches for 86. Hopkins had two for 73. So big completions to those guys. Um, they were able to run it though 35 times for <laughs> just 261. Just absolutely dominant on the ground. That's really the difference of this game is how balanced they ended up being and how dominant they were up front. Just similar to the game we talked about. And it just seems like anybody that's willing to really put their foot down and, and run the ball, they're having success in this league. They're winning games. Anybody that's gone for 200 yards rushing, I don't think anybody's lost. I think they've got to be undefeated. If the, if anybody's rushed for 200 and lost, I need to hear about it. Please peep me, but I don't believe it's happened. Um, Cowboys, it's not it's not disguised anymore. They have the worst defense in the NFL. Period. Um, I want to defend my Andy Dalton take because I know a lot of you guys thought he looked absolutely atrocious. I do believe Andy Dalton is good. But he's not a guy who's supposed to throw 54 times in a football game. I don't know if there's many quarterbacks that are. But Patrick Mahomes threw 26 times this weekend. Tom Brady threw 27 times this weekend. If you combine the two, it's less attempts than Andy Dalton had this weekend. 
That's not how you win games. I, I know it's tough because we'll hand the ball off. Zeke's fumbling all over the place. Now you've got, you know, the teams leaking information that, you know, players are honestly saying coaches don't know what they're doing. This whole organization, pardon my language, is a shit show. The Cowboys are terrible. They're yeah. not fun to watch anymore. The offensive line has gone in two years from a top five to maybe even a bottom five with all the injuries that have taken place. And teams with a pass rush can make it difficult on this team. I mean, uh, even look what the Giants were able to do to the Cowboys, you know, with, with their pass rush. I mean, without Dak's mobility, that's not Andy Dalton's game. And this team is up against it because now – there's there's no formula for this team to win. They just it seems like from play to play they're hoping stuff works. Yeah, and, no, that's and, it, and it's yeah. it's just hard to watch. And, and to be fair, you know, I I I'd be the first one to be like, you can't win a game asking Zeke to carry twelve times and asking Andy Dalton, who's been on the bench for a year, to throw fifty four. Well, Zeke did them no favors. He he fumbled twice, lost them both. Uh, so clearly they lost lost hope in him that they even started running Tony Pollard 10 times. So you, you, you would be shocked if before this game, because some people even had the Cowboys crazy enough. I thought the Cowboys would win this game. Yeah. If I said Kyler Murray's going to complete nine passes today, would you think they were going to win? Blown out. No. And they won by 28 points. Now I know the run game happened and all that, but Nine completions and they beat the brakes off the Cowboys. It's just it's embarrassing. Not right. embarrassing. It's, not, it's not right because the Cardinals did what the Cowboys should have done, and the Cowboys did what you would have thought the Cardinals would do. Yeah, this scoreline uh, flipped. They literally are flipped. And Listen to the five. The, if you were watching this game, these are the first drives in the first quarter: punt, 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 fumble. Like that's Cardinals. <laughs> Cowboys, Cardinals, Cowboys, Cardinals, Cowboys. Punt, yeah. punt, 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 fumble. Touchdown, and then on a short field, fumble, touchdown, on a short field. Punt. Yeah. It, it, matter of fact, they took 11 plays on a half on 54 yards. So they fumble. It took them 11 plays to go 54 yards. I just. Yeah. And then and both of these like teams the aren't very started, good. Cowboys started giving them chance after that. It was fumble, touchdown, fumble, touchdown, punt touchdown they couldn't stop him after that and the yeah. one touchdown i mean you want to talk about kyler murray nine completions for for what was it 188 yards 80 of it came on a beauty he hauled that sucker and i thought he was going to drop it but i mean the, the, the cowboys at least once a game you get a 70 yard play it seems like i mean they're just waiting to give them to you i wonder if there's out like if all the players are out there to spite the coaches and they're playing this bad on purpose because there's no way an NFL defense should look this bad. Yeah. Like I said, they're on pace to allow 588 points this year. That's just incredible. And and now I'm worried because the Steelers have to play the Cowboys. And if you lose to the Cowboys, it's it's so embarrassing at this point with how bad of a team they are. I don't yeah. think the Steelers will. But again, like I feel like teams now are more nervous that the Cowboys are on the schedule, not because they're a tough team, but because, man, if you lose to the Cowboys, everyone around you is going to let you know about it. Because, quite frankly, I think if right now, today, this weekend, the Eagles and Cowboys played, I think everyone would think the Eagles are going to win. At least the Eagles look like they know what they're doing. They're just yeah. a little hurt. 
like I said, the Cowboys, it seems like every play, it's a new team that walks on the field and they're just hoping for stuff to work. It's, it's, oh, they're the worst coach team in the NFL outside of the Jets and it's close. It's just crazy because Dallas has four turnovers, two fumbles, two picks, and they get sacked three times. Just poor football, poor execution. Uh, just, yeah, just an absolute train wreck. Even left the Bengals. Yeah. Yeah. Feels like the same thing, just in a different uni. Yeah. It's tough, but uh, that wraps up all the games. Uh, went through them all. Uh, I'm excited for week seven, you know, to have this this week in the past after New England's rough outing. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see uh, who bounces back and who doesn't. There's lots of storylines moving forward. There's a little bit of Antonio Brown coming up that we'll probably get to next week as that becomes more clear. But uh, – yeah, as we alluded to on the power rankings yesterday, lots of good games moving forward. And, uh, yeah, that's really all I have. Anything else, Brad? I know a lot of people it might be hard, especially the local guys, to admit it. But after the Steelers beat the Titans, don't be afraid to say they're the, they're the best team in the NFL right now. Yeah, they definitely have a case. Um, you know, I'm still I'm still on Kansas City as far as a top team. They're going to play the Broncos this week, even with a W. Um you know, obviously the, the Tennessee and Steelers are going to play each other, so you would assume that the winner of that. But um, unless the unless the Chiefs look bad, they might still be my number one. But it depends. We'll we'll see how these two play. I believe the Titans and the Steelers are way more equal than people think oh, they yeah. are. It's, it's very two very yeah. good teams. The, the we say this every time they match up in a weird, really really weird way because the Steelers run defense and what the Titans try to do running the football. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be a fun matchup. I can't wait for it personally. Uh, I'm glad that New England plays at 4 o'clock because I will be tuning in. Um, yeah, that's all I got for today. Yep. Take it easy, guys. Shirts are in. Again, with the shirts, peep you one more time. Anthony Pratt, Kyle Miller, congratulations. Thanks for sharing the pod, getting us out in the ether, so to speak. And uh, you guys got your free shirts. We'll be getting those to you, and we'll be getting shirts out and about over the next week or two. Hopefully everyone get their shirts. Wear them out to the to the restaurants. Wear them to work if you can. Wear them wherever you got to go. Have friends tell them about us. If you enjoy listening to us, I'm sure they do too. And uh, thank all you guys for helping us grow the brand. This is really fun for Jeff and I. And we have a great time with this. It's a lot of fun. Absolutely. And if you guys have somebody who sees you guys out and about and you're wearing a Real Talk shirt and they say, hey, what's your shirt mean? Please tell them about us. Please, uh, you know, tell me their Spotify or Anchor or YouTube or how they can find us and, uh, you know, send them a quick invite to the Facebook page, whatever. And if you do that, we'll try and get something special for you guys. We'll have some giveaways here uh, in the future. But until next time, we'll see you later. Uh, hopefully back Sunday for Real Talk. Later. Go Steelers. Go Pats.